Hey guys, it's James Chester here. You're listening to the Gather Round the Lamp podcast by underagaslitlamp.com. Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast. Aimed in towards Archer! That's a fabulous header! It's the Dragons, banished the flag on. Gather Round Villains and welcome back to Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast created and brought to you by underagaslitlamp.com. The winning feeling didn't last long, did it? So we're here to try and make sense of another disappointing display as we look ahead to the cup trip to Bolton and the visit of winless West Ham next Sunday. I'm Andy and there's no Craig today, but I'm delighted to be joined again by Dan. Hi Andy, hi listener. No Craig, I feel like Craig's got away with one this week. It's uh, I imagine his head would have exploded as we picked apart the bones of this one, but uh, I'm looking forward to spending the next 40 minutes or so with you talking me off the ledge of, of Villa fandom, Andy. Yeah, we'll try and do that. I wonder if Craig is uh, is, is predisposed um, creating his bed sheet over there in there. <laughs> In, in Philadelphia but um, yeah we'll, we'll see how we get and obviously it's not a, not a great one but there is some good news as well that's emerging uh, this evening in terms of the team um, but we'll look at look first at the at, at the team selection as, as Villa uh, travelled to Crystal Palace a place where I don't think they ever win <laughs> I think two wins at, at, at Crystal Palace against Crystal Palace at Selhurst Park ever I think Um uh, one being, of course, last year. Um, so we there was some hope that maybe that would continue over, but um, that was that was soon diminished as we'll uh, as we'll discuss. But the team selection was um, interesting, really. I think we all called the fact that uh, that Emmy Buendia would come in to replace Coutinho, um, but Leon Bailey also um, came in up front for for Danny Ings, um, and Konza was was chosen ahead of Callum Chambers too to replace um, the injured Diego Carlos. So what, what did you make of, of these of these selections? Any 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 real shocks or surprises there for you? I, I, I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, of course, but I, I like the inclusion of Bailey. I thought it, it made sense for us to keep things tight and and hit Palace on the break. We, we just didn't do the keeping things tight of that. And I think you could probably see that as soon as you saw the, the selection. We were... We were playing, I think the bigger shot for me, more than who we played up front, one was that Callum Chambers didn't start because I thought Conser has, has looked off the pace, as we've mentioned before, and I think did again in this game. And I think, too, that we we were persisting with a midfield that looks wide open at the best of times. And against a team like Palace, who who like to run at you and, and transition the ball through the middle, we were asking for trouble. And and sure enough, that's that's how it worked out, as there was a, a gaping chasm in the centre of Villa's midfield for a lot of the goals. And it, it was just a, an interesting selection. It, it's one of those games, as you say, we don't have a great, great record at Palace. We know it's a tough place to go. There's no harm in keeping things tight. We we changed the system anyway to to take out a striker because because Jared doesn't seem to like to play two up top away from home. Why not put in another defensive midfielder? Why not make us hard to beat? We had we had Louise, Tim, and and Nakamba on the bench. I'd have loved to have seen one of those over Ramsey or McGinn just to 
you know, we don't need to go down and score four goals. We need to score one and keep it tight the other end. But but we seem to seem to be playing Keegan esque Newcastle football, but but without the ability to actually pull it off. Yeah, I think I think the midfield did did surprise me for this one because it was clearly um, exposed in the first game at, at, at Bournemouth. Um, in fairness, a lot better last week. You know, it was something we discussed last week. Was was how effective um, and exciting, really, Jacob Ramsey was. Um, you know, carrying the ball and causing all sorts of problems um, for the for the Everton Everton backline. And McGinn had 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 a, had a decent game. He he looked more like himself last week as well. And of course, Cat Camera, you know, is 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 going to be a, a Rolls Royce, isn't he? But I think. Um, you're right. There's there is a case I think for away from home for being a, a little bit more, um, a little bit more kind of uh, solid in the midfield and 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 putting it putting a, a couple of guys in there just to just to block it block it off. But it just doesn't seem to be um, in Gerard's thinking at all to do that. He wants to he wants to um, pick the players that are gonna you know go, gonna go and try and win the game. But of course. <laughs> If you do that, you've got to go and, and play like that, haven't you? And, and be on the front foot and, and attack, and 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 that that wasn't really evident. Although um, first first five minutes, um, uh, a lovely long pass forward um, into the into the centre central area from from uh, Tyro Mings, and a, a really nice little little nod down by Bailey, um, which set Watkins away. And it was a it was a one on one chance, and he he finished it really clinically um, to put Villa one nil up. As I say, just five minutes in, and it was a really good, encouraging start to the game. Um, but what you know, this what what did you make of this goal and and the, that little contribution from from Bailey as well, just to just to set Ollie Watkins clear. Yeah, I mean, great finish from Ollie, wasn't it? I and mean, he he gets pelters for not finishing, but that early in the game to be that cool and to slot it away, I thought was fantastic. And and as you say, Bailey's contribution it was a cute little header, and it's it's one of those things that looks deceptively simple, but I think the weight he put on the header was perfect and. And yeah, hat tip Tyrone Mings for doing what Tyrone Mings does, which is picking out those lovely diagonals. And ironically, for a game which I think was a disaster, we started the first five minutes up until we scored. I thought we looked good. And that was it. The goal seemed to undo us. And I think the goal is somewhat indicative of, of some of the problems we have in that we've got individuals in this team who are all great. Like Ollie Watkins is a good Premier League striker. Leon Bailey's a good winger. Tyrone Mings is a good centre-back. We've got a bunch of high quality individuals who can produce individual moments but we don't have a team and I think that's that's part of the problem at the moment is is we pick 11 players who we hope are just good enough to go out there and beat a team without a cohesive plan we're we're a bit kind of Poundland Galacticos at the moment and the fact we're just signing hoping to upgrade each position and that will be enough to go out and beat a team like Palace and it's it's just not. So this is this goal is a prime example of that individual quality shining through. But that doesn't work all of the time, and it certainly doesn't work on the defensive side of things. But but how did you feel about it? I know um I know you're supportive of Ollie Watkins as we are on the pod, but it's good to see him kind of after the two assists last week getting a goal, getting a goal this week too. Really important for for, for the striker, isn't it? And I, I felt the same about Danny Ings last week. Um 
interesting. I think that that each of those three who who have occupied those those kind of front two positions have both have all had two starts. So there's a bit of rotation mm-hmm. going on there, which I which I do like and I do want to see. Um, I think I think you know there's there's this kind of kind of old fashioned idea I think that 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 you need a settled eleven and you need to know what your best team is, but I, I really don't think you do. I think it's pointless because it changes so quickly. Players in and out of form, injured, suspended. You need to, what you need is a is a is a really competent group, isn't it? But but I mean back to Watkins. I thought it was a really good finish, and we've. We have been supportive of him, but we've also picked up on mm-hmm. the fact that he's obviously um, he finds it difficult in those positions. You know, maybe the fact I don't think he took a touch, did he? He just he just he just finished it, and I think maybe that helps with with Ollie. That first touch can 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 set him off um, off course a little bit. I think um, at times, as we saw last week, but um, really good finish and. I just loved that little that little nod down from from Bailey. It was so such an intelligent bit of play, and um, I wonder as well. I was going to ask you about 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 Leon Bailey. Was he? Is there a case for saying that he's uh, he's one of the players that maybe didn't do himself any harm in this game? I thought he had a good game. I mean, he, he hit the bar, didn't he, with a lovely shot? And he's he's a logical player for this Villa team away from home. As you say, that, that goal's a, a really good example of how you can use Watkins's pace, but also Bailey's pace, because the, the Palace defence had dropped off of them because they're scared of that pace, and it, it gave Bailey the time to come in and, and nick that header through. And and it, it's a logical plan away from home to have a couple of pacey guys up top and, and play it long to them, as, as uh, Mings did. But it, it means nothing unless you... you kind of counterbalance that somewhere else and and the problem is you're not getting the best out of Bailey if you've then got Ramsey running onto him you've got McGinn running onto him you've got Cash trying to overlap him on the right you've got Luca Dean trying to overlap on the left and it it just becomes a, a kind of crazy thing where we have everyone running forwards at the same time so it which is easier to defend against you know if you know everyone's going to run forwards it becomes really easy to just sit back and let it make a mistake and we play a little bit like headless chickens in that way and then poor you know Ming's concert and camera have to sit back and and deal with the flood of players the other way so I like Bailey I think he's a really really good player who if we start playing in a kind of counter-attacking style which which listener Andy and I were talking about before we got on the pod here we'd love to see Villa counter-attack more I think he's perfectly set up to help us do that as is Ollie Watkins but but we don't seem to be doing that or bringing the best out of him too much I think Maybe, you know, I'm going to be very anti-Gerard, surprise, surprise today, but I don't think we're playing to Bailey's strengths, and I think that's maybe part of the problem. He's a he's an out-and-out pacey winger who should be getting the ball in behind the defence quickly, um, and, and we seem to be caught in between doing that and slowly building it up in possession, but... I mean, it's good to see him start more games, right? I know you were a big fan of him last year. We joked about his injuries, but he did, he looks like a much stronger boy this year. He's he's worked out hard and he, he's got his body right, and and it's nice to see him back in a lineup. I mean, if we if we was if we'd signed Leon Bailey this summer, we'd be absolutely delighted, mm-hmm. wouldn't we? And and we'd be really really looking forward to seeing what he can do, as we were last last summer, I suppose. But um, yeah, I, I think it's important. I think I think having that year, he now understands um, what the Premier League is is all about, and 
and and how different it, it perhaps is to places he's played before, and that he he has to be more durable. Um, again, similar to Diego Carlos, I think never never really had any yeah. injury problems before he he signed for Villa, and then um, sort of missed the whole year basically. Um, um, admittedly. Injured himself scoring a goal, <laughs> a really good goal. Worth well, um, the injury that one. Well, it was, yeah, yeah, for, to some degree. But I think, I think now um, he looks, he looks up for it. He looks, he looks pretty focused. Like you say, it's about providing these players the platform, isn't it? And and that's that feels like what we're lacking at the moment. Whether that is a working progress, whether that's something that. Um, will kind of emerge more as the the weeks and months go on who knows but the signs aren't aren't brilliant although that goal was certainly a little a little insight into what 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 that that those particular front two players could do as was um Ings's goal last week you know lovely lovely goal really good really well worked goal um so it's it's <laughs> there are there are little elements there but it's not adding up is it it's not it's clearly not adding up and obviously we 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 saw evidence of that two minutes later when uh i mean a couple of things to mention i mean first of all we can pick apart the villa defending i think fairly fairly easily as 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 wilf Zahar did in fact um, <laughs> himself you know it was a very weak goal to concede um particularly for on Konza's part um, maybe Martinez can do better, but Zaha was allowed to sort of just run into the box fairly unchallenged, um, he, the, and 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 Konza just stood and watched as he really sort of scuffed his shot um, low past Martinez, and maybe Martinez should 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 do better. Um, but also, you know, to, to mention, I think that the move started with a, a possible foul on 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 Buendia, which which maybe maybe. Could have been a penalty, maybe a bit soft, uh, possibly. But what did you, what did you make of this goal after such a great start? You know, classic Villa. Yeah, classic Villa. It was it was so scruffy. I mean, I mean the the penalty. Let's get that out of the way. If it wasn't a penalty for me, you've seen them given, but it felt a little weak for me. Um, but it, from there, it, it, it's a hopeful long ball from Palace to clear their lines. Edward gets a scruffy toe to it, and then Zaha is half the length of the field to run. And I mean, hat tip to, to Wolf Zaha. He was fantastic in this game, as as was Eze and, and a lot of the Palace players. But but we gave them the space that they need to be fantastic. And I mean, not to pile onto him, but Konsa was poor for this goal. He if you watch it back, he kind of as the ball's coming into Zaha, he goes to cheat forwards and try and stop out the past, but then realizes he's not going to get there, so starts dropping back, and he's he's not going to win a foot race with with Wolf Zaha. And then, as you say, there's there's no firm challenge or block on the shot, and it's it, it's indicative to me of a player in Konsa who doesn't have the confidence at the moment. I think. Two years ago, Konsa would have stepped in front of Zaha and won the ball before that even became a problem. Whereas this time you could see he started to go and then second-guessed himself. And I think that's that's where it comes from. But but the issue for the goal for me is, you know, it's a recurring subject, but we were wide open in the middle again. It's it's what we what we saw actually quite a lot against Everton is, is a huge gap in the middle. And that's deliberate. We seem to empty out the middle to overload the flanks, but we see how it goes wrong because it just takes one ball right up our throats and 
and we're undone. And and against a team like Palace, who like to run at you with pace from the middle of the park, it felt suicidal to me. And it's frustrating as well, because Zaha is one of those guys who seems to wind up Villa and and seems to always have a good game against us. I know McGinn kept him quiet last year, but, but he seems to always come alive against us. But this time... For me, it was frustrating because we handed it to him on a platter. I would actually go to, so far as to say this is one of the worst goals of of all the the goal giveaway clubs <laughs> goals we've 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 discussed. Um, uh, credit to Craig for 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 that uh, particular trademark, but um, this this one was one of the most frustrating because it is so soft. Mm-hmm. It is such a soft goal. Um, like we said, you know, we we did sort of point to this, and you just mentioned that that the middle of the park's wide open, but there is literally no pressure on Zaha. But he couldn't believe his luck. It was like, um, you know, you know, like a training match if you're playing no contact. You know, it was it was kind of he just he just he just moved into the penalty area and and, and tapped it in the corner. And I just find that that is, I would I would I would rather Conza. Flew in on him and got got done, yeah. done got done for skill because if if a player like Zahar beats you, no shame in that, you know. That, I know defenders don't like it, but you know, fair, fair play. You know, he's he's a good player. But to 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 not even lay a glove on him, you know, to not do anything, I think is is criminal, really. And I like Esri Kunzer. I'm not I'm not going to weigh in wade in on any players because, you know, I I think. You know, we don't know. We we never really know what what their situation is. But I feel like Konza is 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 off the pace, and he needs taken out the firing line. It's so unfortunate that he's been thrown back in, um, with with Carlos being injured. But I I I just don't. I just don't. I I think this game highlighted how far he is off the pace, and and. I, I still believe he will go on to be an excellent Premier League centre back, but he's he's so far short of his form from two years ago, um, and this highlighted it. Like you say, second guessing himself, you know, no confidence to 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 go and you know play the percentages, just get in his way, just give him a push, you know, whatever you need to do to to you know, to stop him doing that. And that, like I say, if he nips it round you and slams one in the in the corner, well, you know, well done, Will Saha, yeah. you're a good player, you know. But so frustrating. And um, I don't know what you think. I mean, you know, you mentioned Callum Chambers. Does Callum Chambers stop that? Or what do you think? It's a tough one because, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think Cons is going to be a great centre-back and he's a good player. He's clearly struggling and we know that Chambers had a pretty decent pre-season. So I think surely Gerard is seeing the stuff we're seeing match day on the training pitch and can see, you know, he's, he's maybe my first choice at the moment, but he needs to be out the firing line, especially against a pacey attack. But, I mean, the fact that Callum Chambers might be the answer for us is a bizarre situation to be in, given we picked him up because he seemed like a bargain. But he's earned a chance, and, and I don't know why he's not getting the starts. But, I mean, the other thing on this Andy's, goal... And, oh, go on. Andy's Gerard's man. What is it? Yeah, it's... it's, uh, it's Gerard signing. It's just a bizarre one as well, though. In that the other thing we're not giving is Conser a chance to be the kind of defender he is. I mean, it's... 
I don't want to always go back to the glory days of Dean Smith in, in lockdown, but we were a tight defence because we sat pretty deep and we protected Consor and Mings. And we said to teams, come and break us down. Like we're, We will happy if you dribble it around these four players while we're throwing our bodies on the line, then fair enough, you scored a good goal against us. This, we were suicidally high up the pitch. Like the line was almost in their half. There's no protection in front. It's just waving them through for an easy goal. And, and we know Consor is a good one-on-one defender when he doesn't have to run back towards his own goal. And and it's, it's again, I'm sure Gerard wants to play this free-flowing possession football, but we're away at Palace. Like, the number one thing away from home, keep it tight, make it hard, get a point first, make it hard for him to beat us, and then if we can nick something brilliant especially when you're one up after five minutes. Just take the sting out of the game, frustrate them, sit deep, keep your shape. And and I agree with you. It's one of the worst goals I've seen us concede for quite some time because it was running around like headless chicken. It it looked like the, the dark days of the end of Smith's reign where the players didn't really believe in the message they were getting and were trying to do their own thing. Like every player was trying to do it all for themselves, trying to win every tackle, trying to pass every ball. I mean, we've become a reflection of the manager. I mean, Gerard, uh, the, Gerard the player, was, was a great player, but he did everything himself and had no positional tactical kind of discipline. And, and ironically, that's how the team's become. Everyone's trying to do it for themselves without thinking of the greater good. But Yeah, yeah, there's certainly some... some... I mean, I've talked before about some some issues in that within the squad. I think in terms of in terms of the um, the psychology, perhaps of the squad, and, and we'll we'll talk more about uh, Stephen Gerrard <laughs> in a, in a little while. But you know, there's undoubtedly um, you know some problems when they go and they're taking the field and that they're not quite sure, are they? They they look tentative. They they don't look particularly comfortable even last week they they kind of started quite well last week and it was a generally a good a good performance they deserved to win but it's all it feels like it's hanging by a thread when you're watching them they never really look in control mm-hmm. um you know and 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 we like we you said we were talking about this and i just wonder whether you know villa play a certain way the same as i think clubs have cultures don't mm-hmm. they clubs have um, I'm going down a bit of a tangent here, but every club has a has a has a you know a, a style that goes throughout the decades. You know, whoever's whoever's the manager, whoever the players are, they sort of play a certain way. That's where you get the term Spursy. You know, that's, <laughs> there's a certain you know there's, there's a style about about Spurs. You know, and they win some and lose some, and they're a little bit flaky. That's always been the way. Man United are, you know, a, 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 generally speaking, an all-out attacking outfit with with exciting players. Um, Villa, to me, are a, a workman-like counter-attacking club. That's what we do. You know, we we're hard we we we're hard to beat. We give people a game, and if they don't beat us, we'll we'll beat them. You know, and that's that's how we've we've always been. Um, but I think, and I think, trying to shift it away from that—that's what worries me. It's like it doesn't work. It doesn't suit the club. It's—it's. It's, I know it sounds weird because it's different groups of people, but 
I do you know what I mean? I agree it? with you. I, I've always viewed Villa as a counter-attacking team. I think some of my favourite Villa teams, I, I look back at the Martin O'Neill side where we had Young on one side, I've gone Lahore on the other and, and big John Carew up front. Or even, I think, under Smith's best reign, we were a counter-attacking team. And, and counter-attacking isn't a four-letter word, you know. This isn't a bad style of play. Counter-attacking can be exciting. You can have creative players do it. And and we, we seem to be trying to shortcut towards a possession team, but we don't have the players for it. As you say, we don't have the culture for it. And so we, I think the, the biggest thing is we're almost a bit like, you remember when Stoke decided they didn't want to play Pulis ball anymore and tried to play expansive attacking football and, and drop like a stone. Feels like that's what we're trying to do at the moment. I, I, I'm fully on board. If, if Gerard wants to transition us to be a possession team, great. But you've got to be able to walk before you can run. And, and that starts with picking up points, keeping clean sheets, then build on that. And it feels like we're trying to do it the other way around. We're trying to play like Barcelona and, I don't know, defend like Birmingham at the moment it's, it's not a good combo and it <laughs> should be the other way around yeah I know absolutely I think I think yeah I mean maybe we can we can come on come on to that more as the, as the season goes on but I, I certainly feel that you know there's there would be a lot to be said I think I think Gerard can save himself a lot of hassle if he just kind of goes do you know what I haven't got the players to mm-hmm. play the way I want to play so let's Let's do something different, a little bit like Dean Smith did in, you know, after restart yeah. when he, you know, he just said if we if we carry on like this, we're going to get relegated, so we need to give ourselves a chance. And I, I feel like Gerard needs to needs to have a similar word with himself. But um, I mean, obviously there, there was a there was a disallowed goal uh, for Palace um, also, which seemed a little bit harsh. It was it was very marginal. Um, offside should for me offside should be where your feet are not where <laughs> your your t-shirt is you know um but i think uh i think you know we got away with one with one there but of course second half you know under the cosh again and try and defend a a, a corner and uh luca dean went up for a header you know for you know honest honest jump for a header and the ball sort of caught him on the arm it didn't seem to affect the trajectory of the ball or stop the ball going towards the goal in any way, really. But um, it was picked up on VAR and 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 the ref gave a penalty. Um, you know what did what did you think of this? And um, kind of summed up Luca Dean's day, really, didn't it? I think for, from performance wise, but bit bit harsh this one. I mean, it's not a penalty for me. I hate this kind of penalty, but by the letter of the law, we've seen them given. I think back to the the Champions League final where where Spurs kind of gave one early doors in a, a similar similar kind of style, and it's. How are you meant to jump without raising your hands? I don't know, and I think he gets a little bit of a push in there too, which doesn't help it. But I mean, we're we're kind of rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic a bit here because it, it made no difference. I mean, there, as you say, I think the goal that was ruled out for offside was very unfortunate for them, and I think was maybe Luca Dean's fault as well because he was playing silly buggers from the court of, from the set piece beforehand and. And and it didn't really have an impact on the end result, so it's one of those ones you can take on the chin a little bit. But but you're right, Luca Dean had a, had a horrible afternoon. Shades of Matt Cat, uh, Matt Target away at Watford start of last season. He, it was a terrible, terrible game, and it it raises a couple of questions for me. One is is we've signed a lot of win now players, twenty nine year old proven players to win now, who aren't winning now. I mean, we might as well have had. Matt Target a left back if we wanted a, an inconsistent left back 
But I think there's a little bit of blame has to go to John McGinn for, for Luca Dean's performance and a few performances in this game. He, you know, he's captain and, and, and that's been a controversial decision in himself. And I think we saw in this game why McGinn as captain doesn't always work. I think he's very emotional in this game. He seemed, he was barking at the ref early doors. Jared took him off because he, you know, he looked like he was going to get sent off if not. And and he seemed obsessed with battling, like individual battles with Zaha and Eze in the middle. And and let's not forget, he did a great job on, on Zaha last year, but this time he seemed to let his emotions get the better of him. And that filtered through the squad. You start to see Matt Cash look like, and you never see Cash kind of get that. He's got a bit of edge to him, but you never see him get ruffled and and I thought Luca Dean just looked rattled he looked all over the place didn't know where he was defensively I mean I should have scored because of his bad position in the first half as the as I say from the the free kick that wasn't a goal he was pushing their player over and was ridiculous at the back post and and it just felt to me like that emotion that idea of being rattled and more obsessed with what your opponent's doing rather than playing your game seemed to filter throughout the club and and that comes from manager captain occasion maybe we didn't like you know Selhurst Park's a noisy place to go maybe that bothered us but it's a worrying sign when when your expensive 29 year old France international left back doesn't look like an upgrade on that target and and we know he's a quality player he's gonna be good but this is the problem when you sign players like him and Danny Ings and, and to a degree Carlos too, is is they need to start paying back that transfer fee quickly. Otherwise, the, the investment starts to, to degrade. But, I mean, I know you weren't the biggest Matt Target fan and you're, you're more on board with a signing than I, I was, but he's not had a good start to the season, has he, Andy? No, it's been a bit inconsistent. And I think we talked a little bit about it last week. Um you know, just just a bit of defensive frouting. Of course, he scored the own goal mm, last week. Of course, yeah. Um, and you're talking about Matt Target. You know, Matt Target did go through a little phase of that um, in that in the five game losing run, I think, uh, before Smith got sacked, where he was scoring own goals and giving away penalties, and you know, and it, it can become a bit of a bit of a problem if you if your fullback is is always in the wrong place doing the wrong thing and. The, the the thing he has got though is undoubtedly um a real a real talent going forward. You know, he, he I'm surprised he's he's not scored yet yeah. because he, he often has a go during the game. He had a he had a little chance, I think, in the um first half um at one all. Um and it, it kind of got, got 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 snuffed out. But he he's very alive in that in in the attacking areas. Um but clearly, at the moment, not not very confident defensively, um, which surprises me a little bit because Mings is back mm-hmm. and Mings is usually quite a reassuring presence. I think on that side, um, certainly did you know did target wonders playing alongside Mings in the in the um, in the lockdown season and um, you know obviously back targets form sort of fell off a cliff after that and then. And then obviously he's uh, he's 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 doing well again at Newcastle. Um, I don't I don't regret that switch at all. I don't regret. I don't look back at Matt Target and think <laughs> I wish I wish we could have him back. It's not like an um, ex-girlfriend. I've, you're going through Matt Target's Facebook, kind of quietly stalking his photos. I'm I'm more than happy with the the 15 million that we <laughs> that we got for him, and 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 it's 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 worked out well yeah. for him, and I think everyone's happy. But we've certainly got an upgrade. But like you say, you know, 
this isn't a, a 22, 23 year old where you can say, well, you know, he's going to be, you know, give him, give him a couple of seasons and he's going to be really good. He, he is 29 and he needs to be, he needs to be playing well every week. Uh, fullbacks have to play every yeah. week, well every week. Do you think you know, it's because um, it's an interesting one? Because he's undoubtedly talented. You're right. I'm, a, I'm being a bit facetious. He's an upgrade on that target. There's no way he's not. But he does do his best work going forwards. So, do you think it's a case that he's just out of form, or do you think it's a case maybe similar to the defence that we're not setting the team up to get the most out of his attacking returns? Because to me, it feels like if you're playing two attacking fullbacks, which we have, you've got to cover them somehow. And and for all their attributes, McGinn and Ramsey to me aren't covering midfielders. For the first time in a long time, um, I have considered whether going to a back three might be <laughs> might be a good thing and anyone that was listening to us this time last year um when Dean Smith was insistent on 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 playing a three five two um or three five poo as we uh, <laughs> as we named it um knows that I'm I'm not a huge fan of that system but I think with the right players um it, it's it's possible and, and defensively it might be good for us the only issue then is, you know, you're obviously bringing in, um, you've got Bailey, Coutinho, Buendia, Ings, Watkins, and now, uh, yeah, possibly Ishmael Asar coming in. You know, is that the best? Is that the best? The best formation? But I mean, it might. It, it, I think it would help um, Luca Dean. I think. I think France play with a, a, a three-four-three. I think. Um, or, or something, something like that, and he plays as a wing back. So um, I'm not sure if he played like that with Everton, um, possibly under Ancelotti. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure to be honest. But that might suit him more, and then it, it might reduce some of the defensive um, issues that he's, he's he's having. But have we got three? <laughs> Competent centre backs yeah, um, that that can that, that that can play play that role, or would you play? You'd probably move, move perhaps move camera into the back three, but we we'll see. I mean, you know, messing around with the system is is usually a sign that that that, that managers are running out of ideas, and uh, certainly that was the case this time last year, and that turned out very badly. So <laughs> um, uh, we'll see. We'll see how that goes, but. Yeah, I'm, I've I've no issue with with, with Luca Dean as a as, as a player really. Like you, this was never a penalty, N- not in a million years. We mentioned the the the, the, fa- the potential foul on Buendia before um, Palace's equaliser. That was far more of a penalty for me than than this one. Um, and I, I I would slightly disagree. Although we were massively under the cosh, Palace were definitely on top. It was one one at the time. You know, it's a turning point in the game. It, it you know, it, it gives Palace that you know that that foothold. Then, you know, on the score sheet. Until then, you know, you only need a breakaway, and you've you know you, you you're taking the lead, and you're putting them under all sorts of pressure, and then you can kind of regroup defensively. But we were we were in the game, very much in the game from a from a scoreline perspective. So it did for me that that was the big that was the big call I think and I get where you're coming from and definitely from a scoreline perspective we were in the game but from from watching it as I was closing numerous pop up windows that that came up on the stream I was watching 
we we weren't in that game at all. It was one way traffic. They could have been five or six up by half time. But but while we're on the subject of it, we should probably mention Martinez, who I thought made a fantastic save and and was unfortunate. Yeah. It was a beautiful save and. Uh, and fair play to Zaha too, st- like kind of stared him down afterwards, but then shook his hand because we know Martinez likes to likes to get involved in the mind games and likes to say a few things. So no doubt that was going on. But but I thought it was a good good football all round there in the fact that you know he, he, great save again from Martinez. It's, he's made it a real specialty, and he was unlucky to not not get the ball away or or to have a defender coming in and bailing him out there because I thought I, I don't know how he got his hand to it, but he somehow did. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. You know, very, very unlucky. Is, is he so often? Is he? He's never far away, is he? From the, from a penalty, and you know, we've seen him save them. And obviously, uh, there was the, um, the you know the Fernandez one um, where I think he hit the top of the Stretford end um, last season. But yeah, it was it was it was a, it was a, a tough one to take, and obviously then sort of Palace. Palace grew in confidence then. I think Villa, you know, the, the, had the wind not, knocked out the sails, and, and Palace went on to to get a, a, a pretty good third goal. I thought it wasn't it wasn't too much wrong from our perspective. I think it was just a good ball mm-hmm. in and a great finish, and you know, probably like you say, probably no more than they deserved. You know, but things could have been different at that point if that penalty isn't given, mm-hmm. which it shouldn't have been. But three one, I, I think. I don't think anyone can really complain from a Villa perspective at the scoreline, and, and I think certainly Steven Gerrard, you know, did was upset about the penalty, but I think he accepted that the the, the team just weren't good enough on the day. Dan. Yeah, I mean, he, he did his usual, you know, Steven Gerrard bingo of throwing throwing the players under the bus to a degree, and, and deservedly so. They they were an absolute shower out there, but I. I he, he talks a good game, Jared. We know this about him, but but the numbers aren't lying anymore. I see in the notes here you've got one win in three, but it's, it's three wins in fourteen going back to last season. No clean sheet in eight. And it, well, you know how I feel about that. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 it, there's a trend emerging, and and especially after the Everton game, I mentioned on the pod last week that I worried it was a case of Everton making us look good rather than us us looking good, and they're going to be struggling against the drop this season Everton and and the other two wins we've got in the last six months it feels like was Norwich and Burnley both of which went down we're we are hopeless and there's no tangible progress and it's I honestly I was sitting down trying to work out when the last time Villa were this tactically inept and I think I could have go maybe Roberto Di Matteo where it was just again an assortment of players on the pitch just told to go out there and try and win games and and that's what worries me the most. This is this is genuinely bad from Gerard now, and I want to give him time. I want to be patient, but there's nothing to cling on to that I can see anymore. It's it's you know he's the Paul Abdul management. It was one step forwards, two steps back this weekend, and it it seems to convince and consistently be like that that we've we've now gone backwards more than we've gone forwards under him and. Uh, the fans are turning. I mean, I I turned a long time ago, but I've I've got a short <laughs> short fuse for these things, but. But the fans seem to be turning the players. I don't know about you, Andy, but to me that that kind of stunk a little bit of a performance where the players aren't playing for the manager too. Yeah, well, I, I, again, if you go back to our podcast last season, um, I think I certainly talked a lot about the the attitude of some of the players in that in that dressing room, 
um, and I think a culture of um, a bit of a losing mentality and a bit of a a kind of um, you know a lack of willingness to to stand up and be counted and I think that's something that undoubtedly Gerard has picked up on. I think Gerard can can probably sm- smell at, sniff out a loser at, at, at fifty paces, um, and he doesn't want to be around them. And I think there's two there's two elements. First of all, this group of players might obviously not the players Gerard's brought in, who some of them are equally as culpable. Um, but there is a core in that dressing room who um, who who pretty much down tools on the man that gave them Premier League careers. You know, mm-hmm. Dean Smith. Without Dean Smith, those players aren't sitting in a Premier League dressing room, you know, a lot of them. So um, to, if they can do that to him, you know, to someone that was was absolutely adored at the club um, by the fans and everyone at the club, then they can certainly do it to Steven Gerrard. And I think if, if Gerrard is kind of guilty of 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 anything um you could argue that he's guilty of of giving them a chance mm. to 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 do it again you know and i think you know i don't think they're bad people i don't think they're they're bad players but there's certainly a, an issue where they think well you know don't fancy this guy maybe maybe uh he'll be out in a few weeks and we'll have someone in someone else in that maybe tells us how good we are and and all the rest of it, and gives us a gives us a bit of a kick up the backside. It's not good enough, I'm afraid. And you know, and so part of that is down to the manager. But I do think as well, I'd have liked to have seen the club because there was an awful lot of talk of of, of, of big changes mm-hmm. this summer. And I'd have liked to have seen the club um, sort of root it out a little bit and and really kind of get players out the door, um, even popular, well well liked players. You know, we can we know who they are. Um, and just completely change the culture and give Gerard um, the opportunity to, to to bring in guys, more guys like Diego Carlos and Camera and and Coutinho, who who are who are winners, you know, and um, who are prepared to to you know to die for the cause. And I think I think that's um, we've not done it, and it's still the same group. And I think that's a problem. I'd agree with you, and and it, I suppose it becomes an interesting discussion in, in psychology. It's is do you fix it by rooting out those players and and slowly transitioning the team, which we've seen clubs do before, and it makes a lot of sense. So you've got to you sometimes got to just just cut it out and and start again. You know, you've seen it at United at the moment. What happens when that gets entrenched? But also sometimes it's up to the manager to change it. I, I think back to. Claudio Ranieri at Leicester, for example, and he all these kind of slightly ridiculous histrionics, but he changed that culture, changed them into a team that would... A lot of players there that I'd consider to be slightly losing mentality too and, and managed to turn them into just this machine that were putting their bodies on the line, chasing everything down. And and I think actually this weekend's opponents, Palace, are a good example of this too, is, is Vieira's been in that job a little bit longer than than Gerard, but not much like he you know a few extra months and he had to go in and completely transform a club that had been run a certain way lost a lot of players and and he's managed to take both existing players and refresh them and bring in new blood and and maybe balance both approaches and 
I think that's the problem. I can see Gerard's frustrated in those players. We're all frustrated in those players, but it's not our job to fix them, and it is his job. We could all throw him under the bus. I'll happily go on match of the day and, and tell Gary Lineker or whoever that, that the team didn't play well enough and that they need to score more goals. Great, but I'm not the one who has to go in on a Monday and make them play better. And it's the I feel like a good manager gets more than the sum of the parts. And I think at the moment we're, we're just disparate parts. But but you're right, the, the mentality is all wrong. And, and I like a team... I want us to be hard to beat. I want us to fight. I don't mind losing away at Palace if we fight and we make them earn it. I want them to come off the pitch and know that they've earned it. And we don't have that at the moment. Maybe we need a psychologist. Maybe we need... I don't know. Let's get Uri Geller in to bend some spoons or something. Take them paintballing, whatever it is. We need something going on. But whatever it is, isn't working. We've got a bit of PTSD about paintballing after the uh, the Dunham Collins uh, <laughs> incident a few years ago. But I think um, I, I, I think I think this is it. And look, you can you can cut it either way, can't you? You can say, well, it's the manager that, that instills that. I, I I would argue that I think I think he has turned one or two. You know, I'd, I'd certainly see a different Matty Cash, and we've all sort of made that comment. You know, um, but there are players there that just feel, you know, it just feels like maybe they're they're not as up for the fight as they'd like us to think. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, we we probably have different opinions on 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 what we would do with the manager um, at this point. Um, you know, I, for for me, for me, it comes down to it comes down to the team, and I I want more than anything for the for the team to be to be successful. They're not going to win every week. Villa Villa aren't going to. There's a glass ceiling. We're not going to be, you know, top six, top seven anytime soon, if ever. So um, we have to accept that we are at best a mid table Premier League club for the most part. And I'd like to see us moving in a in a in a in a more positive direction, and I'd like us to to see us playing better football. Um, but and look, there's 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 you know three things that, that are certain in life, um, you know, death, taxes, and football managers getting sacked, <laughs> and he will get sacked eventually, you know, and and someone else will come in, and they'll be the the answer to all the to to all the forty years of heartache or whatever it is. But I think. I think with with Gerard, you know, I'm not I'm not at that place where I'm I'm ready to rip it up and ready to give up on him yet because I think um, I think there's potential, but I think he he should he should be given, um, you know, give him you know get him those 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 next three players, you know, and give him till the World Cup and see where we're at. I think, and 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 if it's if it's if it's terrible, make the change. You're a more patient man than me. I know that much. But are, are you worried about relegation with this kind of form, Andy? I know we're three games into the season. It's a ridiculous thing to say, but the performances for me have been relegation caliber, and I I agree with you. Kind of, you can't just just keep sacking managers. But can we can we make it to the World Cup? How you look at the upcoming fixtures? What have we got? West Ham. Arsenal City I don't see any points coming from there it it might get pretty bad pretty quickly and I think that's the worrying thing for me is is this start to the season on paper and we know football isn't played on paper but it looked like some winnable games and a chance to get off to a flying start and instead we've thrown two of them away and and we're lucky to squeak through the other one and 
I don't know. I'm looking over my shoulder at the moment, and I'm I'm looking looking down down at the bottom three, and, and hoping would be better than those by the end of the season. I'm I'm not I'm not overly concerned about relegation because um, I mean if we sat on three points by the time the World Cup comes, <laughs> then I will be. But I don't think that's going to be the case, and I think I think we certainly have. You know, we, we we look at the team. We've got we've got the quality, haven't we? And you know, they, they won't allow. They, they will make the change if 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 it goes in that direction. But I think, I think it's just the reality of the fact that you know we are going to be in and around these. You know, these other teams like us. You know, and it's it's frustrating maybe, but it's also kind of inevitable. That's unfortunately, <laughs> and people aren't going to like this, but that's where Villa are. Villa, Villa have Villa have never been really. Um, they've had various periods in the history where they've been one of the top teams. Obviously, winning the league, winning the European Cup, but that was forty years ago. We've had dalliances with it since, and previous to that was probably pre-first World War when we were one of the. You know, so it's not like we're. It's not like we're. I mean, Man United was a, was a good example. They have dropped. They have fallen from from grace haven't they and you know they would expect to be doing a lot better than they are but again they have you know it's a cultural issue with them as well and i think our ours our our problems are the same the other the other thing i'm 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 realistic about and we were talking a little bit about this and sorry to um to bend people's ears about this but you know we've we're in our fourth season back in the in the premier league we had three years out, which was financially the worst three years we could have picked. We got relegated at exactly the worst time in terms of sky money and finances. Um, but teams like Palace, West Ham, you know, um, obviously Leicester, uh, uh, Brighton, maybe for, for some of that, they were they benefited from that. They're, they're they're ahead in their development. They might not necessarily you might you could look at their teams and say well you know their players on paper are, are similar but they've got you know they've got years of years of kind of um development and infrastructure that we haven't yet built up we are still putting together a proper premier league team still because we've got still got players that were with us in the championship so i think i think there is we just need to be a little bit more realistic. And although Villa fans might look at it and say, well, we're Aston Villa, we're a much bigger club than Crystal Palace, so we should be beating them. It just doesn't work like that in this day and age. You know, it's it's not how the football landscape works anymore. Um, you have to earn the right, and Palace have earned the right to be where they are and playing the type of football they are. And um, I mean, Dan, we, ha- a question for you. Ha- how many of those Palace players would see a move to Villa as a step up. It's true. It's true. But, I mean, how many of those Palace players on paper are, are worse than, than what we have? I think the difference... I, I do get where you're coming from, and those extra years make a big difference. I think we've also spent a lot of money in a short term, and, and we brought in a lot of players that I think Palace fans would love to see come to their club. 
they've recruited better than us. Your, your, your point earlier, I think, is a really smart one about mentality and about the culture at the club. I think where, where Eddie Howe maybe, and, and we're seeing it at Leeds now too, where they've done well is hire a, a... They've brought in not just good players, but a good character. And I know there was a lot of stuff in the Arsenal coverage this weekend as well about how Mikel Arteta has, has got rid of certain characters and bought in new characters. And I think that's where we, for me, you're right, we, we missed out on a few years in the Premier League, but we've not done ourselves any favour with our approach. We've, I think what we've tried to do is, as humans being do, do we, we don't want to put the hard work in. We want to end up at the end result. We want to, you know, we want to take the diet pills to slim down three stone. We want to, you know, not put the effort in. We want to win the race by taking a shortcut. And that seems to be what Villa are trying to do too. We don't want to put in the hard years to become an established Premier League force. We want to take the shortcut to it. And I think maybe that's what Gerard's appointment was and the players were trying to buy was was our shortcut in our way there. But the reality is there's no shortcut to Premier League success. It's it's a long, painful drudge. And as Villa fans, we should be used to that by now. Yeah, I think part of that is when you see like a team like Wolves, who obviously came straight up and you know, but they had a ridiculous team in the championship, yeah. really. Yeah. That you know, and 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 they were always gonna gonna fly through and uh, you know and settle in the in a good position in the Premier League. But yeah, we'll I mean obviously we'll see over over the over the next obviously 10 days or so before the window, see what happens, um, see if one or two maybe do go that we don't expect. Um, I'm not, not not hearing anything, although people keep do keep talking about Ollie Watkins mm. leaving. I'd be surprised if anything like that happened now. But one thing that is looking like it's it's going to uh, come to fruition is um, the signing of Ismail Saar from, uh, from Watford, um, a player we know very well. He's torn us to shreds on on a couple of occasions in the rec- in recent memory um and uh he's he's apparently um completing uh, a medical today we're recording on sunday um after agreeing a fee of uh, 25 million plus add-on, add-ons and a, a reasonably substantial sell-on fee as well, sell-on uh, percentage as well um Obviously, he's been much sought after winger. He's been linked with all the top clubs um, over the years. He stayed at Watford, um, made it clear that he's he's wanted to go. Scored a beautiful goal from the halfway line at uh, West Brom uh, last week as well. Um, I mean, but it's a, it's an odd one really in terms of where he perhaps fits in. We don't really play with um, with 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 uh, orthodox wingers anymore. Um, so where does does he fit in, or, or or will Gerard now have to adapt to kind of suit him? Yeah, I mean let's let's get the exciting bit out of the way with first. This is a great player at a good price. It's it's a really good signing for Villa. Uh, if we'd assigned him at any other point in our club's history, I think would have been more excited about it. But you're right to raise the question of where he fits in. We we know Gerard doesn't play wide players. I mean, he's been jettisoning any wide player we had on our books. I mean, I saw sad photos of Bertie at an airport with a scarf earlier on today. He's he's maybe a wide man who should have got a look in, or, or El Ghazi should have got a look in. It's Gerard doesn't play with wide players, so signing another pacey wide player is interesting. Does it mean that he's going to play one of those, you know, narrow 10 roles? I don't think so. So I, I think this does signal a change in tactic, which is good news. We need to change our tactics. We're not playing well enough, but 
But as you said earlier, Andy, when a manager starts to change his tactics, it tends to ring alarm bells. And and in the case of Saar, if, if we're going to start playing two recognised wide men, which, which I think is a good way to go, why didn't we spend pre-season preparing for this? Why didn't we sign a player who's, as you said, has made it clear he wants to leave and has been on the chopping block for, since June really, he's been available it just seems like an odd one to me. So undoubtedly a great signing. I'm really excited. But it does mean we're going to change the way we play. And, and that feels like a, a knee-jerk, a, a much-needed one because we haven't been good enough. But but it does ring alarm bells that we're suddenly tearing up our pre-season's worth of planning and are now, now mixing it up. But what about you? Are you excited? He, he strikes me as more of a counter-attacking kind of player that we were talking about. Well, undoubtedly. I mean, you know, in... in Certainly at Watford last season in the transition, he was he was absolutely lethal against us, um, and uh, I'm sure Matt Target still has nightmares <laughs> about that. You know, very nearly, very nearly finished his professional career. I think um, that that day, um, I think ex- excellent signing, very very talented player. Um, you know, and like you say, a good a good price. And I just wonder whether, like you say about about the why didn't we sign him earlier? Sometimes that's how transfers work, yeah. isn't it? And it's not always easy to get a player out out a club um, when you would like, um, and particularly for the price you want. You know, maybe if we'd have gone to Watford in June um, before we'd uh, sent Keenan Davis their way and possibly Courtney Hawes as well, if you believe the rumours, um, maybe they'd have been a bit less less willing to 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 deal with us. And you know that they've obviously. Um, gone about their business. Sometimes, you know, clubs want to make sure that they've they filled they've kind of filled the the position before they let the player go as well. So it's it it, it can be it can delay things, and a lot of transfers happen late on. You get you know we we did some early business, um, but I do get the sense that that there's there's still more more to come, and this one has certainly come out of. Out of left field, really. Although there were rumours that that uh, Johan Langer was at um, St Andrews watching Watford. Oh, interesting. Um, the other night, so um, whether Saar was playing or not, I'm not sure. But he, he, you know, he was he was there, and um, obviously not looking at any of the Birmingham players. Not sniffing so around Troy Deeney. Must have been one of the Watford players. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm 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 pleased. Obviously, you know, it, it'd be interesting to see what he does. I think he's going to have to obviously change. Sar isn't going to play down the middle. Um, he's going to he's going to want to play on the right hand side, which is where he's comfortable and where he's so dangerous. Um, whether this means switching to more of a um, a uh, sort of four four two three one, maybe you know, so we can keep keep out one of our number tens, whether it's uh, Bondera or Coutinho in the, in the side, and and obviously Bailey and um, and uh, Sar on the wings is potentially. Very interesting indeed. Frightening, isn't it? With Ollie up top too. I mean, Ollie's no slouch, and yeah. you've got you've got a Buendia or Coutinho behind them. Then it's exciting times. But but I mean, that would signal. I agree with you. Four two three one makes a lot of sense to fit them in. But then you're probably dropping Ramsey. He can't play in a deeper role, so he then becomes backup at, at one of the attacking positions. And and like was the issue under Smith, I don't think McGinn's a good enough deep-lying midfielder to, to really play that role. So, again, we look somewhat unbalanced, and, and, and I agree with you, transfers take time, but I'd have liked to have seen us 
you know, maybe play a 4 2 3 1 with, with Bertie or, or El Ghazi <laughs> or any of our players before signing players for it. But I mean, it's. I a, think we did at Warsaw. Did we? Well, there we go then. If we beat I Warsaw 4 so. 0 with it, then it's clearly the answer <laughs> to our troubles. But I do, I, you know what? It's clearly not working, so I can't complain that we're looking to change things up. It's just hard to get excited about a signing when we we all know there's there's other issues at this club. But but again, let's get that on the table. Signing Saad doesn't mean we won't sign another centre back, and doesn't mean we won't go out and sign another midfielder. It's for all we know, there's another five transfers lined up for next week, so we should should be thankful for what we've got, and then then maybe we can tear tear Gerard and board a new one if if the deadline ticks over and we haven't signed anyone else. Yeah, and we I must just mention as well, and obviously, I don't want to make make too much of this before I know the full um the full details. It was brought to my attention that earlier on that Ishmael Assar had come out in support of Idrissa Gay, who had refused to play in um in PSG's game where they, they were due to wear a um a, a special kit in support of of, of um LB uh, anti homophobia. Um it was kind of a rainbow type type kit and he refused to wear it um citing uh, religious reasons i believe um ishmael Assal was one of a couple of players senegalese players who who came out in support of uh of idrissa gay at that at that point so that 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 puts a bit of a question mark into his into into his character and some of his views which as allies on this this podcast we're obviously um you know, fully against any any kind of discrimination like that. Um, one would obviously hope that people learn, people educate themselves, and and that he um, he doesn't take any any stances like that when we come to um, to support those those kind of uh, really important campaigns. So, you know, I really hope that um, that he's moved on from that. Um, it would put a bit, a bit of a question mark against the signing, in my opinion. So, um, you know. Oh, I'm happy to leave it there, but I had to kind of had to kind of mention that. I think um, I think it's a good you know, point. It's not uh, not a great look, as you say, Andy. Kind of, you know, it's it's not a look we want as a club and 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 us on the pod. And I think most Villa fans are, are a welcoming bunch and an inclusive bunch. There's. And I'm not defending his actions at all. The one thing I would say is is the Premier League is a melting pot of cultures and religions and different views. Now, I think that the education is crucial to changing those views and, and, and maybe a, a young lad who, who thought he was supporting a, a countryman has, has hopefully learned from that and, and having been in the culture more and, and someone's taken him to one side and explained to him why why that's not a view that, that's acceptable over here. So yeah, it's hard to know, but hopefully the club are doing their personality checks because we want as we always say about Mings, we want players at this club who represent the values that we, we believe the club should. And I think if anything, once he gets in the dressing room with Tyrone Mings as well, then hopefully there'll be a, a firm but friendly arm around his shoulder if there is anything that, that doesn't kind of toe the line there as well. So, Yeah, yeah, I hope so. And it's like I say, it's good to have guys like that around um, to lead the way. But um, we must uh, get on to the, uh, the, the two games coming up. First of all, Tuesday night, um, we're playing uh, Bolton away in the in the second round of the Carabao Cup. This is usually an opportunity for fringe players and and players, young players maybe who who can come in and and, and take their opportunity. Particularly as there might be some some places in the first team up for grabs <laughs> uh, over the next few weeks. 
we all know Cameron Archer and, and his story from last year and how he came out of nowhere to, to, to really grab people's attention. But we've also got players like Tim Irugbunum and Callum Chambers even and, and, and the new left-back uh, Ludwig Augustin, Augustinson as well. Um, so there are certainly, um, there's certainly a big opportunity here. Um, you know, so... Um, what do you think? Who are you looking forward to seeing out there on uh, on Tuesday night? It's a tough balancing act, this one, because I think a cup run is essential for Gerard now, given the start of the season we've had. And I, I don't know if we play like we did against Palace, I could see Bolton turning us over, as ridiculous as that sounds. But you're right, it, ring the changes, but keep a little bit of the core in there to, to make sure that it's not just a bunch of young lads fighting in, in a far-flung stadium that they're not used to. So I'd like to see Archer start. I'd like to see Tim Bunham start and, and Nakamba get some minutes too. I think Chambers has earned a start. Uh, I think you've got to give Augustinson, if that's enough S's, the game. And, and Olsen probably gets the start too. I think we look a little bit lightweight at right back, so I don't know if Matty Cash can afford to be rested unless Gilbert gets a reprise from the bomb squad. But we all know how much he enjoyed playing away at Barrow last year, so I'm not sure if he'd particularly <laughs> want to be in this one. But I, I'm just hoping for a win. I mean, it's, as well as a chance of giving fringe players a, a, a chance, this is it's a chance for players to play themselves into some form as well. So, so I also, as ludicrous as it sounds, wouldn't mind seeing Philip Coutinho play at, at Bolton. I think it's it's one of those games. Let players go, have fun, and, and kind of shake off some of the rust. And I, I think that mixture of, of players that, that need the minutes to play back into form and young players that deserve a chance to show us what they can do. But... What do you reckon? Headache for Gerard if Archer gets a hat trick again? Absolutely, and I think I think quite rightly. I, you know, I've I've not been impressed apart from obviously two. Fair enough, Ings and Watkins have scored two good goals, but I've I've not been impressed with our attacking options at all, really. Um, so, absolutely, it's it's an opportunity. He'll, I'm sure he'll play. I'm sure he'll start. Um, opportunity for him to, you know, to go and do what what he did last year and get a couple of goals and put himself firmly in the in the in the manager's thoughts as I'm sure he he is anyway. But yeah, I kind of agree with Coutinho as well. I think I think it's an opportunity for him to uh to maybe just 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 build his confidence a little bit and and uh, you know and have a have a little run. He's, he just looks a little bit short of 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 something upstairs more than anything. And I think I think maybe um, you know, a positive performance against uh, against Bolton and a, a win and maybe score and set up a goal or something like that, um, like it's that easy, <laughs> um, would would be good for him. So um, I, I doubt we'd we'd, we'd see um, we'd see Sar play if he gets signed in time, but um, you know, may, maybe he'll be around the squad and maybe get get on who knows but um yeah i, I agree with, agree with what you said and I, th- I think there there are certainly positions up for grabs and you know it's a great opportunity to say to stake a claim and say listen you you want you want digging out a hole stevie and i'm i'm your man and i'll 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 go into the trenches with you and that's um you know big big opportunity for that i think um but then, of course, we we we're back in Premier League action on Sunday at two pm two pm as we're um, at home to West Ham. West Ham, who have had an 
absolutely brilliant couple of years. Um, a yet to win and yet to score um, this season. So they'll be delighted that uh, they'll play in Aston Villa next. <laughs> and, uh, Aston Villa are usually, you know, so so generous in 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 helping teams or players get get their form back. So um, you know, it's 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 perfect for them really. But they've got undoubted talent in the squad, not least of course uh, Declan Rice and. Jared Bowen, so it's a big one for Gerard, isn't it? He's got to he's got to kind of um, keep the the home fans on side. They were behind him, I thought, in in the in the Everton game, um, and obviously it helped that we we were ahead in that game. So you know there, there wasn't any uh, any major discontent. But you know this is a game we lost four one mm. last season and got absolutely trounced. It was also a game that that Tyra Mings was dropped for, if you remember, um, by by Dean Smith on that day. Um, I mean, what what are you thinking with this one? Any any changes? Will it depend on the Bolton game to some degree? Who knows? I think you're right. There's a, there's a little bit of interest in synergy with with that run last year where they came to Villa Park and, and you, you knew the writing was on the wall for Dino then. It was such an abject performance. And and I think it's a must-win for Gerrard, as you say, more than anything, to get the fans on side. I mean, imagine a scenario where we lose to Bolton and then West Ham are coming to town. It could get could get very dark very quickly. But it, it's it's a tough game at the best of times. And you're right, they've started badly. Although I thought they played really well against Forest and were just unlucky there. Um, but they're the type of team that, that should be walking all over this Villa team and its current setup. They're physical. They have a direct route to goal, and I think they can cause us all kinds of problems. And normally they like to they like to play against us. There's a couple of players like Kufal, Sufal, and um, Susek in the midfield as well. Like to always seem to play well against us. So I'm not feeling good about it. I think the Bolton game might affect the team sheet, but more than en- more than anything, I'll be interested to see what shape Gerard goes with because if we are going to start transitioning to a new shape, this is probably the team to do it against because I, I have a feeling if we play narrow like we did against Everton, they'll just be all over us because they're very good out wide, very good delivery and enter Michel Antonio. So uh, honestly... <sighs> Change everything. I don't care at this point. Give us something. <laughs> play the kids. Play some mad formation we've never seen before. I don't care. Just do something, Stevie. Give us something to hang our hats on. We need we need something. And I think the fans need it. Villa Park needs it. You, it's going to need the fans being on side for him to turn this around. And, and he's got to start giving them some of that back. And yeah, I worry. I think West Ham, as you say, uh are going to be angry. They're a dangerous team. We've had a rough start, and we're the perfect team to come up against to correct that. Unfortunately, yeah, they they will be targeting us uh, big time, won't they, on this occasion? But you know, they, they they're obviously I think in European action mm-hmm. uh, this week as well, which is why the game is on on Sunday. So there's the, you know there is implications there as well for them. Um, so. You know, we'll we'll see what kind of toll that takes on them, but I think, um, yeah, like you say, obviously, they, they, you know, you'd expect um, Ishmael Assar to be involved if he's if he is signed, as it seems like he's he's, he's going to any any minute. I think, <laughs> as we're recording this, so um, I, and I think, I mean, Coutinho's got to come back in. I think, I think, I think he 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 certainly. Um, you know he gives he gives you something extra and he's he's our best player you know and and 
Although, um, you know, you can't, we certainly wouldn't blame Buendia by any stretch of the imagination for the defeat at Palace. I felt that, um, you know, we perhaps uh, we're a better side, I think, with 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 Coutinho in, but we won't get into <laughs> into that too much now. Um, so, what what do you think for the uh, the two games? And we start with the Bolton game. Quick prediction. Uh, hopefully, a convincing win. I mean, Bolton aren't. Sorry, Bolton fans, they're not a good side. So I'm I'm hoping for a comfortable three three nil winner at the the University of Bolton Stadium. I think it is these days. It's not the Reebok anymore. Yeah, I'll go, I'll go for four one. Couple of goals from Archer. I think I think he's going to uh, he's going to start staking his claim when he gets the the opportunity again. Um, and West Ham. Ooh, I, I see nothing but defeat for Villa here. I think. 2-1 to West Ham, unfortunately. That's me being generous. It's Unless something changes, I think we'll be bullied off the park. Yeah, I'm going to be... I, I'm always optimistic, <laughs> as, as you know. I never predict us to lose, and I'm going to go... I'll go the opposite to you, 2-1 to Villa. Um, and I think uh, we'll keep... You know, start to start to get a bit of a home run going at the very least, until at least until West uh, uh, Man City turn up in a couple of weeks. So... Okay, thanks. Thanks for joining me to, today, Dan. That was uh, very therapeutic. <laughs> I, I thought very uh, cathartic. So, um, you know, I hope uh, hope you got some things off your chest. Uh, I feel <laughs> like a weight's been lifted from me, Andy. Let's just hope that it's it's a sign of things to come, and we're not just back here next <laughs> next Sunday night just crying into our laptops again. Yeah, hope, hopefully. Um, and thanks for joining us uh, as well listener I hope uh, hope it was it was it was a decent listen after a, a disappointing um, performance but um, if you are going to Bolton or or, or uh, the, the game at West Ham I hope you have a, a great time and let's turn this uh, this thing around and um, get behind the team and and really cheer them on and, and show show that some of these new players what it's all about to play for Aston Villa Um Obviously, head over to under a gaslit lamp. I think uh, Regan had a had a new post up there yesterday, um, so go go and check that out. And I'm sure Dan will be be uh, banging one out soon as well uh, if he gets Don't the time. Don't put the pressure so, um, on me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, obviously, um, we'll be back next week to to review those two games and, and I think look ahead to the Arsenal game, which is in midweek, and then Man City at the weekend, <laughs> and and obviously the end of the transfer window as well. So thanks to everyone for listening. Uh, please join us next week. Stay safe and up the villa. <laughs>